This podcast is sponsored by Cloud Optimizer. As a business owner or IT manager, are your cloud investment costs going up and you don't know why? It's time for Cloud Optimizer. As you migrate your business to the cloud, what you're spending and why you're spending it can get a little hazy. But Cloud Optimizer clears up the mystery and puts the cloud to work for you. Cloud Optimizer starts by analyzing usage patterns, right-sizing resources, leveraging discounts you may not be aware of, implementing automation, and much more. And by reducing unnecessary expenses and maximizing performance, Cloud Optimizer guarantees you a savings of five times what you spend for their service. As you utilize cloud-based services more and more, you don't have to lose sight or control of your spend. You can stay agile, streamline your costs, and optimize your performance, plus save significant money with Cloud Optimizer. Make the cloud work for you with Cloud Optimizer. Get a free assessment and find out how much you can save by going to cloudoptimizer.com. Go to cloudoptimizer.com for your free assessment. That's cloudoptimizer.com. Here you go. Here you go. Wrong. Nothing personal word of the day. It is Thursday, May 11th, 2023. And the word of the day is wrong. As in what West Virginia did to Bob Huggins. It's just wrong. I didn't want to call it a slap on the wrist. I would call it not even a wet willy. Maybe a little flick of the ear. One of those tiny flicks that, now it seems sort of annoying like a mosquito. But it's just wrong. So here we go. What exactly did they do? Well, go back to yesterday's show. You want to hear what Bob Huggins did. Went on a Cincinnati radio station, used a homophobic slur, immediately came out with a statement. Oh, heavens, I'm so sorry. Then we had a statement from the president. Then we had an immediate punishment. In one day, they negotiated with so many people. They had to get their boosters together. My guess is they had to wait for the Marlins to beat the Diamondbacks and call Ken Kendrick. Hey, Kenny. What should we do with Bob? Here's what we're going to do. It's going to be easy. We're going to get away with this. No problem. This guy is the mayor of West Virginia, so we can't fire him. We don't want to fire him. Let's do what we do when we don't fire someone. We call it a teachable moment. The teachable moment is we are going to make it very clear that we don't permit this type of language. We're very, very upset with him. Then we're going to shoo away the mosquito, and then we're going to take a million dollars away from him. But before we announce we're taking a million dollars off his salary, give me one second. Let me make some calls. Hey, Mr. Booster, and believe me, West Virginia has plenty of boosters. Plenty. Would it shock you to know that Ken Kendrick is one of them? Not if you know Ken Kendrick. So call up the boosters and say, listen, we need a small favor here. We're going to need six car commercials, one insurance commercial. And if you don't mind a little WVU tourism commercial, we're not going to take welfare money away. We're not going to pretend that we're building a volleyball courts, but we're going to hire Bob to do a couple things. And we'd like to get him to an extra mil per year in endorsements. Do we have that? Is it in the bag, so to speak? All right, good. So, Bob, we're going to take a million dollars away from your salary. And you know what else we're going to do? We're going to take away your multi-year agreement. <laughs> Boy, that's a big one. You're not really going to do that, are you, Mr. President? Yeah, we'll just go year to year. That's totally fine. Don't you worry because your severance is also paid for by the boosters. But we get to tell people 
that we were so upset about the wrong that you've done that we're going to make your deal year by year. Big whoop. All right, something else. We got to do something else big because we're going to have new statements come out and we want everyone around this country to realize that here in West Virginia, it's not just for lovers. Here's what we're going to do. Wait for it. We're going to have you do sensitivity training. Sensitivity training in West Virginia? This is my thought of what a sensitivity training class would be in West Virginia. Walk into a room, you got 10 people sitting in there. They're looking at each other in a circle. Hi, my name's Bob. Hi, Bob. Are you an addict? Oh no, sorry. What, what are you? Oh, I am a homophobe. Homophobe? We don't do sensitivity training for that. We encourage that. Well, but I have to take a sensitivity training class. All right, tell me your story. Okay, I did a radio show and I used a slur where I used the F word and it really was offensive, but not to me because, hey, the room over there to the left is full of them Fs. Yeah, but I'm very sensitive to it now. I don't want to go anymore. Hey, Joe, can you go? Hi, my name's Joe. And I was at work the other day and I saw somebody and I said, what are you, uh, homo? People found that to be very unpleasant. I meant I'm not homophobic. I'm very sensitive to this subject here in West Virginia because I don't know if you know, but in West Virginia, we have the largest number of transgenders. Let me get the exact fact for you. This, is, this came out yesterday because everyone wanted to make sure, the president of West Virginia wanted to make sure, so he gave a very clear statement. Do you know that according to the Williams Institute, West Virginia has the highest percentage of transgender youth in the nation? And we're gonna address the concerns of all of our West Virginia youth. Coach Huggins is gonna meet with LGBTQ plus leaders. Whew. I always love it when there's leadership meetings. Bob Huggins walks in and says, I'm 10 minutes late, I'm sorry. I was finishing up the sensitivity training where I got in trouble because I was overly sensitive and I did not have enough slurs and I was way too tolerant. Apparently in these training courses, the less tolerant you are, the better it is and no one's trying to cure anybody, but we have to say that we're doing it. But now I get to address the concerns of all the transgender youth. And my one question is, what does that mean? Could someone explain to me what transgender? I don't understand. You're either a boy, you're a girl. You can't be both. You want to be one. You can't change. What's going on here? We don't have this in West Virginia, but Bob, yes, we do. We've got the leading number of transgender youth. The Williams Institute said so. All right. I think we're going to have to be sensitive to that. Let me go back to training. Hi, my name's Bob. I wanted to talk about this whole transgender situation in West Virginia. What can I say and what can I not say when I'm doing radio, either in Cincinnati or West Virginia? Well, Bob, thank you for asking. As a matter of fact, we just got off the phone with all of the boosters and all the people who do NIL money for West Virginia and all the people who've been donating to West Virginia. And here's what they want you to stay away from. They want you, if you don't mind, to not show any Anything other than prejudice, anything other than the fact that you are intolerant of anything other than 
someone who is straight and maybe even white. Can you do that? Well, I can definitely do that, but I got in trouble at West Virginia and I need to have this training and then I have to meet with all these leaders. I have all this stuff to do. As you can tell, I'm a little bit worked up because then Bob Huggins, of course, came out with another statement. Back-to-back statements always make me smile. I guess he learned a lot in the 24 hours. Or he got to start his next statement by saying, over the past 48 hours, I've reflected on the awful words that I shared on a radio program earlier this week. I like that. When you get in trouble, you do a lot of reflecting. I've reflected a lot on the fact that I'm a sexual deviant, and that is why I'm going into sex addiction classes, and I'm gonna learn how to be faithful to my wife. Over the past 48 hours, I've reflected on the fact that I like drugs. Over the 48 hours that just passed, I reflected on the fact that I'm a complete misogynist homophobe, and I've decided after all the years I've been in Earth, now I'm changing. Maybe tomorrow, the statement will be, over the past 72 hours, I've done real reflection. I went into the closet of darkness. I pushed Aaron Rodgers aside and I said to myself, I'm gonna be better. I'm gonna change everything that is the fabric of my being, but I'm not gonna upset the boosters. Luckily, Huggins in his second statement said that he regrets the embarrassment and disappointment it's caused our athletics family, members of our campus community and the state of West Virginia. Hold on, let me just see where it says in the statement. Here it is. I've, oh, I'm sorry for the hurt and distress I've caused for students and our student athletes. Hmm, where does it say, I regret the embarrassment I caused to the boosters and the donors? Hold on, let me keep reading. Oh, there it is, I have no, no. Oh, I'm looking forward to working with the, n- no. Oh, I regret my comments regarding, Z- no, Xavier. Oh, here it is. I love the university and know firsthand that the education and experience that students receive here make a difference. No. Oh, okay. Coca, it's in the last sentence. We got to give him credit. We do. I'm truly sorry for the damage I have done. Yeah, I can really tell, Bob. You've reflected for 48 hours and you're super sorry. I'm grateful for the chance to move forward in a way that positively represents the university and our state. This is when I lost it. Do you think that when you have a job and you do something wrong and you get fired, that then you don't have the chance to move forward? And the only way to move forward is when you do something wrong, but you don't get fired, but you have to go into training, sensitivity training. You have to meet with leaders, LGBTQ plus leaders. That's how you get to move forward? Don't you get to move forward if you wanna move forward anytime you wake up and the sun rises and you say, today I'm gonna be different. Today I'm gonna try not to be so ignorant. Today I'm gonna try not to be such a misogynist homophobe. No, I guess not. I guess you only get to move forward when you're suspended for the first three games, big fricking whoop. When you lose a million dollars, got it back on the other side. Coca, it's not good enough. It's just wrong. The whole thing's wrong. And the reason why it's even more wrong to me is that he's not gonna change. And the worst part is that when he's recognizing his platform and when he says that I'm gonna do better and I'm gonna meet with this left, right, and center, he has zero chance of being Myers Leonard. 
he has zero chance of actually caring about changing or caring about moving forward or realizing he did anything wrong because he's surrounded by people who are covering the fact that what he did is what they all believe in to begin with. And when that's the case, no one gets to move forward ever. All right, Coca, let's move forward. Let's find a way to move forward right now. Go ahead, play some music. You know what I want? <laughs> I want to talk to Samson. So you want to talk to Samson. Get in my Twitter, David P. Samson. Hi, David. Hello. We're live on Nothing Personal with David Samson YouTube channel. If you're listening to this, we thank you. Download it, please. But you can also watch us. Hi, David. I remember you talking about the John Morant lawsuit. Now that he is not an all-star, will he win his lawsuit? Well, thank you for the question. I wanna talk about John Morant. I wanna talk about the All-NBA team. I wanna talk about the significance of that. However, it's not that he's not an all-star that matters. What came out yesterday is that he's not All-NBA. All-NBA is a postseason award, 15 players. There's a first team, a second team, and a third team, five each. All-NBA is not just something that is for the back of your basketball card. It's not just something that you can take with you to sensitivity training. It's something that's actually dollars dans votre poche, money in your pocket. The way the NBA salary cap works and the way extensions work and max extension work, max extensions work, is that if you are on an All-NBA team or if you are on an NBA team twice in a row, that actually impacts what you can make under your max extension. The lawsuit that this person was referring to has to do with an episode that we did, I don't know, it was a couple months ago maybe, where John Morant is suing that teenage kid who started all of that hubaloo with John Morant, not the strip club one, not the one with the money and the gun, this was totally different. And John Morant is saying, I want money because what's gonna happen is I'm not gonna be all NBA. And the reason I'm not gonna be all NBA is that you and your lawsuit caused me not to be all NBA. And I told you at the time that that lawsuit had close to zero chance of prevailing. However, John Morant is right. He's not gonna be all NBA. However, John Morant shouldn't be all NBA. So when all NBA came out, let's go through quickly who it was, just so you have it in your head. I was able, I don't know, 10 days ago, to quickly tell you when I was filling in for Lebetard, the fact that John Morant is not an all NBA player this year. And of course, everyone disagreed with me. To refresh your recollection, check this out. We could name right now six guards who are better than John to begin No, you with. can't. For this season? I don't know about David, John ja Morant is all NBA. Like, he has every right to be upset by it. I looked at who the all NBA people are going to be this year. Ja's, listen, I was all Ja. I was saying that New Orleans made a mistake by drafting Zion when they could have had Ja because Ja's going to have a better career. And now all of a sudden, you got a problem. It's time to play the game. Name them. Name six guards. Let's name them. Pretty easy to name. Hey, Stu, ready? Have you heard of Luca? Okay, are we good with that? What about SGA? Like him from Oklahoma City? Better than Ja. Those are the first team. How about the second team All-NBA? Steph Curry? Not bad. Donovan Mitchell? 
better. How about third team? Ah, De'Aaron Fox from Sacramento? Hell yeah. And guess who else? Damian Lillard. Boom. We've got six right there. John Morant, did he come in seventh? He got votes, that's for sure, but not enough votes to be named to the All-NBA team. He got the second most votes among all of the people who are not on the NBA first, second, or third team. That's great. What does that matter? That means that he was just good enough not to be third string All-NBA. So what happens now in that lawsuit? Does John Morant get to appear before the judge and declare that once and for all, you now see my damages? Because instead of getting the extension or the, the total, it's, he already signed the deal, instead of getting the maximum amount under the deal I signed, now I'm only eligible for X minus Y. Show me the difference in the money. But here's what the lawyers are gonna say for the other side. They're gonna look at these six players, they're gonna present all sorts of statistics showing that John Morant didn't even play the requisite number of games that you'll need next year, which is 65 games to even be considered to be all NBA. And they'll say, he didn't play this number of games. Here's the stats. And the judge is gonna say, hmm, that's a fascinating exhibit that you're giving me. But frankly, my dear Watson, I don't give a damn. And the reason why the judge won't care whether or not John Morant has better stats or worse stats or the same stats, he will look and say he's on the all NBA team or he's not. But what the judge is really going to do is say, objection, not relevant. The fact is that we cannot pin in any way, shape or form John Morant not being named to the all NBA team to the actions of the defendant in this case, case over. So absolutely nothing will change in his lawsuit. He cannot win this lawsuit. And I've already told you if he does win the lawsuit, which he won't, he won't get a red nickel. That's not the expression. Black nickel? There's an expression. I don't even know what the provenance is. And I should know better with a microphone. I'm very sorry if that's offensive. I have absolutely no idea what the provenance of that is. And I should, although as I'm thinking about it, could that have to do with something related to Native Americans? in which case it'd be wholly inappropriate. And I wouldn't want to ever be on record as having said that, because that's another expression I'm gonna stop, Coca. He will not get one nickel from this lawsuit. I was thinking about the All-NBA team and looking at it and thinking about LeBron James and how many times he's been an All-NBA player. And then looking at whether or not it matters if you make the playoffs and Luka Doncic, first All-NBA, didn't make the playoffs. You gotta feel really crappy. It's like having the starting pitcher in the All-Star game or the Cy Young Award winner and not making the playoffs. It just feels absolutely crappy. But in baseball, there's a way better excuse than in basketball where so many teams make it. And the two starting guards on the All-NBA team did not make the playoffs. Jason Tatum, playoffs. Giannis, playoffs. Embiid, MVP, playoffs. But Luka, SGA, nada. They're watching the games just like we are. Although my guess is they're not watching the games. So when you look at that, it's by position. So they picked Embiid over Nikola, which I guess they did in the MVP as well. So it makes sense that Jokic would be on the second team. I just don't know. Would you rather, if you were starting a team, this is what I was thinking about last night as we were putting the show together. If you had to start a team, the theory is you look at an all NBA team and you say to yourself, these are the people who I would start a team with. If you were starting a team today, would you start it with Giannis? 
given his age, assuming all salaries are the same, worried about his ankle every time he drives and does the European seven step. How about Luca? Embiid? No. SGA? No. If I'm starting a team that I want to win right now, I'm going to the NBA second team and I'm putting Steph on my team and I'm putting Jokic on my team. And I'm probably putting Jalen Brown on my team instead of Jason Tatum. And then I go to the third NBA team and I would not take Julius Randle. I would not take Sabonis. I would not take Fox. I would not take LeBron. I would not take Lillard. I wouldn't take any of them, which is why they're on the third NBA team. But would I take someone who's not on any of the teams like John Morant? And the answer is, until this year, I would have been all over taking John Morant, not just over Zion, but over anybody until I found out what happens to him off the court. And now I wouldn't touch him with a 10-foot pole, even when it's vertical instead of horizontal. So I appreciate your question there. I really do. But just so you know, it's not going to make one bit of difference. Now, this is the last year. This is the, the saying is not one red cent. It's about copper. Copper pennies being the smallest amount of money. Oh, it's one red cent. That's it. How did you know that, Coca? Did you Google that or you just knew that? Isn't it funny what people know versus what they hear and then they think they know and then they use it, they use it wrong and then they're done? Don't even say that to me. He's in my right ear yelling, Google, Google, Google. <laughs> That's funny. So next year, you're going to see a big change in the All-NBA team. And I want to go back and tell you that I made a mistake when talking about the new collective bargaining agreement in basketball. I thought that what was being tied to having to play 65 games as they were dealing with load management, I actually thought it was the MVP awards and Defensive Player of the Year awards and Rookie of the Year awards and Comeback Player of the Year awards. I didn't realize that that load management, that 65-game minimum rule had to do with All-NBA as well. That is significant. That is a major get by Adam Silver. And I made the mistake of telling you the players won't give a tinker's copper penny about this rule change. It's a big one. Because think about someone, Jason Tatum is, is the best example I can think of right now. Jason Tatum is a year away from being eligible for a five-year, $318 million deal. Five years, $318 million, Boston could sign Jason Tatum. Will they? We'll discuss that another moment. But the reason he's eligible for 318 is he's been on an All-NBA team two years in a row. So when you're on an All-NBA team for two years, it, it basically gives you escalators that enable you to make that much money. We told you about John Morant's escalators that enabled him to make more money. Jalen Brown is now eligible for 295 million over five this offseason, helped by the fact he was All-NBA. So as it turns out, being all NBA, it matters greatly. So players are gonna focus on making sure they play 65 games. My entire take on them ignoring this and not caring, I now change my mind because it's okay to change your mind. Just because you have a microphone in a show doesn't mean you have to die in the hill of every take you have. It's okay to be wrong. I don't mean correction wrong. I mean just wrong wrong. The players who have eligibility for these extensions 
will be politicking hard to be named to an All-NBA team and will make sure with their coaches that they play 65 games. So the number of players on the All-NBA team this year who didn't play 65 games, Giannis, Curry, Butler, Lillard, James. Those five did not play 65 games, which means next year they wouldn't be All-NBA. Now, let's focus on games played next year and let's focus on the intersection of players eligible for All-NBA who are also eligible for an extension who then play exactly 65 games. I cannot wait for that to happen. And believe me, it's going to. All right, when we come back, we're gonna review a movie that Coca did not like and I absolutely adored. And then we're gonna talk about something that's going on with NBA coaching searches that is uh, worth noting. We'll be right back. The NBA playoffs are heating up and so is the action at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NBA. With same game parlays, live betting, odds boosts, and so much more, don't miss out as the NBA postseason winds down. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app and use code SAMSON. New customers can bet five bucks to get $150 instantly in bonus bets only at DraftKings Sportsbook with code SAMSON. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or in West Virginia, visit www.1800gambler.net. In New York, call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY. That's 467-369. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly on behalf of Boot Hill Casino Resort in Kansas. 21 plus age varies by jurisdiction. Quentin, Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.co slash bball for eligibility and deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Welcome back to Nothing Personal. How are you? I just got a text while we're doing this live. Let me just read it to you. I'm bumping you this week, Mike Ryan. That means I'm not going on Levitard after this show, which means the tweet I sent saying that I'm excited to go on Levitard to talk, apparently that's not gonna happen. So I guess I could spend this time doing sort of a local hour and talking about the fact that the Panthers had a chance to clinch and didn't, the Heat had a chance to clinch and didn't, but I'm not gonna do that. What should I respond to that? I'm gonna respond, KK, in the middle of nothing personal. Let's see, he knows I record right now. Why would he tell me then? In the middle of nothing personal. That's it. Maybe we'll do an hour and a half show today. What do you think of that, Coca? All right, I watched a movie today, yesterday. I really liked it and I wanna tell you about it. It's called Rye Lane. Rye Lane is a movie that will remind you of Before Sunrise, the Ethan Hawke, Julie Delpy movie. That was a triptych where they did Before Sunrise, I think Before Sunset and After Sunrise. And it basically followed their entire life. They met on a train, they spent a night together. It's the dream of everybody who is romantic. Everybody who is anybody, when they're with somebody, they look and say, hey, 
do you want to spend some time? Is there a chance that we can find a connection? Is there a chance that we can make a memory right now? Is there a chance that destiny brought us together in this moment? Well, in Rye Lane, we saw a movie where destiny brought two people together and it started in a bathroom with a sob. Here's why I'd like you to watch the movie. Coco won't watch it because he doesn't want to be in touch with his feelings. He doesn't want to recognize the possibility that two people can find love when you're not sitting on the couch or swiping right, that if you're actually out there just doing something, that there's a chance that something great is going to happen. And in this movie, it does. The way this movie is directed, the way the production design is, it's almost Academy Award eligible. It is eligible. It's almost worthy. The colors are beautiful. The music is incredible. The soundtrack in terms of how they use music to set mood, which is what most movies do. But in this one, it was pitch perfect. Rye Lane, you may want to check it out. You'll be happy. And if you wouldn't mind, you could do Rye Lane and then a Before Sunrise double feature so you have a comparator and then you can see how the movies have changed over maybe 20 years. I don't remember what year Before Sunrise was. My guess is it's more than 20 years ago. Sounds, I think it may be a 90s movie, Coca, with uh, Ethan Hawke, let me know, but I think it's, so maybe even 30 years old, can't be. I'm gonna say 25 years old. And you can just see that movies they look better, they feel better, they sound better. There is a great, great dialogue in this movie, Rye Lane. Check it out. When you have a coaching opening, there's several things you do. The first thing, I'm talking coaches, head coaches or managers. When the owner comes in and says to the president or the GM, hey, I wanna fire the manager, you have three ways you can go. You can try to persuade the owner to let it go and tell him that this is the normal course of action. Losses happen, blown saves happen. Let's not panic, it sends the wrong message. Then the owner can tell you to bugger off because it's his team and he's gonna fire the manager. And then you can say, hey, how about if we put a list together? And he's say, all right, put a list together because we have no choice but to follow the Selig rule or to follow the Rooney rule. So we gotta put a list together. We gotta do some interviews, but I'm gonna call and see if I can get an exception because I wanna hire a guy right now, but we'll name him interim so we'll get away with it. And then we'll make him permanent after another such search. All of this happens and all of this is standard. So, your baseball people, your basketball people, they put together a list of coaches. It consists of managers who have worked before and who have been fired, who are out of work. It consists of base coaches or hitting coaches or pitching coaches. It consists of, in the NBA, assistant coaches. It can consist of former head coaches. You put the list together, big names, small names, and we used to do it by category. The category was job experience required salary because when you're paying three managers at a time because you keep firing people in the middle of a multi-year deal, you have no choice but to focus on what the budget hit will be and you get to say, hey, are we gonna pay yet another manager or do you wanna bring in a utility infielder who's gonna stink? Well, David, it's more important to have a good manager because that's your best chance of winning. I can't disagree with that. So in the NBA, all these teams are looking for head coaches and they're putting these lists together. Milwaukee's looking, Toronto's looking. Because of course, winning a championship is not good enough to keep your job. At least it should be, it used to be when continuity mattered, 
when consistency mattered. Now, it's absolutely, we won a championship, then we didn't repeat, then we didn't repeat, now you're fired. All right, what kind of list is Toronto putting together? Word came out yesterday that the Toronto Raptors have agreed and already interviewed Jeff Saturday to be their coach, which I found strange because Jeff Saturday is a football coach. So why is it that the Raptors would want to interview Jeff Saturday? And then I looked a little more carefully. It was J.J. Redick, not Jeff Saturday. J.J. Redick, like Jeff Saturday, is working at ESPN. J.J. Redick is a former player, had a long 15-year career. I did a show with J.J. Redick. It was great. He's incredibly smart, incredibly able to be a coach, incredibly able to be an analyst, incredibly able to do a great podcast, incredibly able to do anything he wants. The total number of games that he's coached, wait for it, it's the same number that Steve Nash coached when he was named the coach of the Nets. Roughly zero. Not a G League game, not a Summer League game, not a Sunday Church League game, not even a Jewish Federation game. Zero. Does that mean that he is not able or capable of coaching an NBA team? This is where it gets interesting. Because did you know the competition in the coaching fraternity and the reason why assistant coaches get so upset when someone, a former player, comes in and becomes a head coach with no experience and why it causes so many rifts is because the concept of paying your dues is a concept that coaches have always believed was the only path. Then former players decided, hey, I can do this. No problem. I can relate to players. I can draw up plays. I cannot call timeouts with 16 seconds left and just let the team go down. I can easily call ISO and duck and chuck and shoot a million three-pointers. No problem. And I can relate to the players because I used to be a player. That's my favorite thing that someone would say in an interview. You know, I've been in clubhouses my whole life and I recognize what it means that you can't just be a player's manager and you can't just be a front office hack. You've got to be both. You've got to walk the line. But at the same time, I'm going to be a player's manager. Next. It used to be a thing. It really is not that I was interested in players manager. I was interested if we had hired a red ass and then we had a fire red ass, then I wanted someone who was calm, cool and collected. If we hired someone who was calm, cool and collected and had to fire them, then I wanted to bring in someone who would be strict, disciplined and who the players would be scared of. It was not a huge factor to me in any of my hirings and now, I grant you that what I'm saying sounds a little crazy because how can I be the authority on hiring managers when I was so bad at it and hired like 50 of them over 18 years? I get what you're saying. I resemble that comment, but I'm damn good at interviewing them. Damn good at knowing that the person we hire is the right person that moment. I am just wasn't as good as saying, ooh, that person deserves the benefit of this doubt and we should keep that person and see if it gets better because often it doesn't. So JJ Reddick goes in, he interviews with the Raptors, and I wonder what his pitch is. His pitch can't be, I love the city, his pitch, even though it's one of my favorite cities in the country, in North America, it can't be that I'm absolutely confident that you've got the people in place and the personnel in place because I can get more out of them than the previous coach, 
Because why would you say that about Nick Nurse, who was an absolute wonder kid until he got fired? So I think JJ Reddick's approach during an interview may have been, I've really been thinking about this a lot, and I believe that my contribution to the game is best served by running a specific team. And I believe that I'm uniquely positioned to have the ears of the players, but understanding the realities of the business and the front office. And if you allow me to coach your team, I assure you that I will get the respect of the players and the front office. I've heard that one before. Way harder than you think to get both. And the problem with being a first-time coach who has only experience in media and was a former player is that the excuse that we hear, this player was an extra coach during his career. It's what I call the Udonis effect. The Udonis effect is when you get to be on a team for an extra seven years at when you shouldn't have been on the team, but you're the heart and soul of the team. You're going to have your number retired. And the coach says, I rely on you because you are like a coach, except you're a player. Does Udonis Haslam ride with the coaches on the team plane? Does he sit with the coaches on the team plane? Does he ride with them on the team bus 4869? Does he ride with them on the team bus? Players are players when they're players. There's no such thing as a player coach. There used to be, Bill Russell was one. We haven't seen that in the NBA, MLB, or the NFL in roughly as long as I can remember. So you can't lead with the fact that you are a player and therefore you're able to be a coach. The only thing you could lead with is that I'm gonna surround myself with veteran coaches. I'm gonna find experienced people who are gonna sit next to me, first chair, second chair, second row, and together we will get the most out of your personnel. All right, I guess that's fine. But what do you think that Kenny Atkinson is thinking right now? Had a chance to be a coach, he's now with Golden State. Definitely waiting for his next opportunity. Definitely paid his dues. Definitely was put in a position to fail like many first-time coaches who by definition are taking over teams that are either underperforming or just downright stink. So that's why, like the Brian Flores lawsuit, hey, we want second chances because the first time we get to be a head coach, it's an absolute disaster. The second time we have a better opportunity to win. Maybe it can be with a better team. I get all of that. That's the reason why the other people competing to be coaches are upset, even though they don't say it, that first-time coaches, former players, are getting the opportunity to interview. What about Becky Hammond? This is an interesting one for you to focus on. Is it time for there to be a female head coach in the NBA? No, and Becky Hammond doesn't want to be used like that. So she's actually come out and said that I'm not interested, that I'm very happy where I am in the WNBA and I'm gonna stay there, which is very good and convenient for the NBA because none of the owners actually wanna hire Becky Hammond to be the head coach. They just wanna say they interviewed Becky Hammond to be the head coach because then they can say that they went through sensitivity training. Wait to see. JJ Redick will not get the Raptors job. Okay. We have great breaking news. I don't know about you, but I really wanted to talk about this on Levitard. This was huge, and this deserves at least five minutes of time on Nothing Personal. Do you know that the Buffalo Bills and the New York Jets will be playing the first Monday Night Football game on September 11th? Aaron Rodgers will get the Jets to prime time for his first game? <laughs> I'm not, Coca. I'm not doing it. I'm getting another person book of the day. 
We'll look at the full schedule tomorrow and we'll point out how many times we're going to have to see Aaron Rodgers, how many times we're not going to see Jordan Love. Can't wait to see that. How many times we're going to see Tom Brady? Oh, no, no. All right, we'll talk about it tomorrow. Nothing personal pick of the day. Did you see the Phillies beat the Blue Jays? Kevin Gausman, Zach Wheeler, they both pitched great. We got a 2-1 victory in extras. That counts as a win. Hell yeah. And then we had the Warriors 7 over the Lakers. Anthony Davis got bopped. She-bop. Cynthia Lauper? Anybody? Girls just want to have fun? Sweet Lou Albin? Girls. She-bopped. Bopped? I remember asking someone when that song came out, what was the year of She-bop? Because whenever that came out, I was a kid who was, I really wanted to be cool and I was not cool. I wanted to be athletic and I was you know, I ran track because I wanted a varsity letter and I was short and I couldn't play basketball or baseball even though I wanted to. And I listened to romantic ballads and watched romantic movies, but I had to pretend I liked rock. So Shebop is a, is a song that came out when I was 16 years old. And when you're 16, you're supposed to know stuff. And when you don't know it, you have to pretend you know it. I had no idea what it was and what it meant. And then someone told me, and I then had to pretend that I knew the whole time. And then what I did to make myself feel better, which is what kids do, and it's so mean, and I'm so filled with shame and regret. I would then go up to other people, and I would say, hey, the new song Shebop, you know what that's about, right? I wasn't even talking about Shebop. I have no idea, where were we? Warriors, minus seven over the lakes. Oh, AD got bopped in the head. Thank you, Coca. He's fine. He's going to be fine. Did you really think the Lakers were going to clinch game five? No. Now they go home to the Great Western Forum, which is now called the Crypto.com FTX. I'm going to jail center. Very interesting when you lose a game five and then you get to go home for a game six. The Miami Heat lost a game five. They get to go home for a game six. The Los Angeles Lakers lost a game five and they get to go home for a game six. Here's the thing about those game sixes. You have a 3-1 lead. Now it's a 3-2 lead. If you lose at home game six, you've got to go on the road for a game seven, which means game six is like game seven. So I'm not panicked for the Lakers. LeBron's not panicked. He knows that he can go and he can win at home. The Warriors know they've got some serious road issues. So the Lakers are fully confident. As a matter of fact, for Friday's game, Coco, what's the early line? It should be Lakers. If the Warriors were a touchdown over the Lakers in Golden State, my guess is that the Lakers would be six points favored in game six. Is that by chance true? Oh, they're only a field goal? Wow. Lakers three over the Warriors in game six. That's not my pick of the day today because that game is tomorrow. We are 73 and 70. We are back over 500 having won four in a row. Let's give you picks today. Huge series happening right now in baseball. I, cut, ready? Four, six, nine. There's a four-game series in baseball started right now in New York. It's the Rays against the Yankees. And here we are on May 11th. I would not call this a huge four-game series. I would call it, however, an important four-game series. And the reason that it's an important four-game series is that the Yankees would really need to win three out of four and gain two games. The Rays are looking for the split so that they don't lose any of their lead. 
And when you're in last place looking up and you're getting toward the middle of May, it's no longer early, but we're starting in the early part of mid-season. I view May, June, and the first week of July as the middle of the season. And then as you get into the trade deadline, you're starting to get into late, middle, and early, late. Post-deadline is early, late. September's late. This season's going to pass in a flash. Aaron Judge is back. The Yankees just got fat off a sweep of the Oakland A's, which has about as much meaning as me telling you that I'm going to be on Levitard later today, meaning I'm not which means the sweep over the A's didn't matter. And just so you know, the Yankees are underdogs at home against the Tampa Bay Rays. And do you know what Hal Steinbrenner is thinking right now? I give these up. Oh, I don't want to go to sensitivity training. That's what Hal said. I give these nice people in Tampa so many millions of revenue sharing just so they can kick my arse and I can be in last place. Owners hate that. So Yankees, guess what? They are going to win tonight, game one of this four game series, and it's plus money. It's Herman against Rasmussen. Tampa has some issues, just so you know. One of their issues is that they have a tiny payroll. One of their issues is they're paying people not to play like every other team. Do you remember their best, best pitcher? Their best pitcher was a guy named Tyler Glasnow. And remember that he had the Tommy John, he had the issue, he's been out for a while. He just got removed in the second inning of a rehab start and he's trying to come back. So he's got a little left side tightness and it's totally fine. I want nobody to panic. The Tampa Bay Rays are going to reinstate him but they're gonna make sure that they are completely covered in terms of his health. They don't wanna bring him back too early because when you've got the side issues, what happens is, which I've told you before, it can change your mechanics. And when your mechanics change, then you can get hurt. And when you're coming off Tommy John, you want your mechanics to be spot on. You want them to be repeatable and you don't want any other body issues. So any tightness is a red alert, shut down, shut, down. So if you're Tampa, you'll wait for Tyler and you will wait a way shorter time than the Yankees will wake for Mr. Chronic, who's the cousin of Mr. Fahrenheit, Carlos Rodon. Yankees over the race. Then we've got a big game six ringing the bell in Philadelphia. My friend and coworker Pablo all excited to see the process get completed as the Sixers go on to the Eastern Conference Finals, one step away from the NBA Finals as Joel Embiid and James Harden try to get their first championship. The Boston Celtics of the young coach who doesn't know how to use his timeouts. What's gonna happen? Celtics are favored. Can you imagine having a home game six where you're ready to clinch and you're still an underdog? That's an absolute nightmare for a team. So here's what I think is gonna happen. I think Joe Mazzulla is gonna meet his team and he's gonna say that I had a phone call last night. I had a very important call as we were heading into game six. I called my former head coach and I said, hey, Bob, can I come with you to sensitivity training? I'm just kidding. Joe did play for Bob Huggins, but Joe wouldn't say that. I wonder if Joe's pissed off. 
at Bob Huggins for what he did. I wonder if Joe even knows about it. I wonder if Joe is focusing on trying to keep his own job because people in Boston are so angry. Well, guess what? You're going to get to a game seven, Joe, because Jalen Brown and Jason Tatum are not going to let you down. And James Harden, when it comes to crunch time, take the under on what his points are in the prop bet. Take the under. Celtics minus two over the Sixers. We're going to get a game seven. And who doesn't like game sevens? All right, I got to go because I have to. uh, Oh, no, I don't. It's just business, I guess, for them. For me, it's nothing personal. This is the story of the one. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.